And I want y'all to just seriously um, kind of just take a deep breath wherever you are in life. Uh, because I, I believe in, in the four sermons of, of Marvel, it's going to touch different people in different ways, but everyone will be affected today. Because everyone gets storms that come through their lives. And a lot of times what we think is, dude, I've done something wrong. I get this all the time, by the way. I talk to people in my office or I talk to people on the phone and they say, Pastor Mark, like I'm going through the, this really hard time. What am I doing wrong? And, and being honest, sometimes, like in the book of Jonah, if y'all grew up in church, you know the story of Jonah because he like doesn't go to Nineveh and then he's in the storm and the fish swallows him and we told our kids that and I told Laney last night just so I was refreshed and knew what it was talking about. I didn't really. But anyway, uh, we all know the story, right? Uh, if we grow up in church that he did something wrong and a storm came, he got in trouble and then he did what was right. But listen, listen, a lot of times that's not why storms happen in our lives. A lot of times you didn't do anything wrong when the difficulty comes your way, but God is trying to teach you something. God is trying to get you to where he wants you to go. And it is so difficult to embrace the storms of life because we want to fix them. If y'all are anything like me, you want to fix the difficult circumstances in your life because I will do everything that I have to do to fix the problems. And I'm just being honest. A lot of times the exact reason for the storms in our life is so that we can't fix them and we have to rest in Jesus so that he helps us become the man or the woman that he wants us to become. And I want y'all to see a picture of what a storm might look like this morning. The Bigbys are a couple in our church. They were at the first service and they went through a major storm in their life a little over a year ago. And I want y'all to see what that storm was. Well, I'm Katie Bigby. I'm Jeff Bigby. And we have two children, Emma's five. And, and Evan's two years old. Um, about a year and a half ago, Evan, um, we noticed his eye was starting to turn outward. And so we called our pediatrician who told us we needed to come and get it looked at. And he looked at it and then referred us to a pediatric ophthalmologist. So we went on May 7th and she looked at Evan's eye for maybe two seconds and turned away and left the office immediately. And we knew right away something was wrong. And she came back and said um, she thought it was cancer, that she'd never seen it before in all of her years of working, um, but thought that's what it was and had us an appointment um, two days later in Atlanta to see uh, the doctor that deals with this kind of cancer that she thought it was. So two days later, we went to Emory University in Atlanta and met Dr. Hubbard, who confirmed that Evan did have um, retinoblastoma, which is cancer of the retina in his eye. We, we went uh, to the doctor in Spartanburg thinking it was just gonna be a lazy eye, possibly is uh, gonna have to do an eye patch um, for a few months and that we, everything will be good after that. So we, we really weren't expecting the word uh, tumor. Um, we were kind of at a loss. Uh, it's kind of a whirlwind for the next 48 hours. Um, Dr. Hubbard came in and confirmed the diagnosis with Evan, uh, said that it was a tumor uh, on the back of it, uh, Evan's eye and his retina. Um, he has one single tumor. Um, he told us that it was in his central vision. Um, he told us that we were going to um, uh, have to go undergo some chemotherapy, possible laser. Uh, he said that the cancer was 
very treatable in the United States, but in other countries, it's, uh, the fatality rate is just as serious as any other type of cancer. Um, he told us our first focus was to save Evan's life, and then we'd worry about saving his eye. Uh, told us typically the eye is removed. Uh, Evan would have a 20% chance to save his eye, um, but he told us to first focus on saving his life. Uh, so everything moved pretty quick from then. Uh, we were back in Atlanta the very next week. Um, they placed the port surgically so they could give him the chemotherapy. We met with the oncologist, and uh, next morning, bright and early, they started his first round of uh, chemotherapy. Uh, we went through uh, six rounds of chemotherapy. Every four weeks, we did a round uh, in laser therapy. And they, Dr. Hubbard told us that, you know, don't be, don't be afraid if, if that tumor is larger the second time we come back, because typically once chemotherapy um, starts, gets aggravated and it gets larger. Uh, so the first four weeks went by. We anxiously uh, drove back to Atlanta and uh, had our follow-up uh, exam under anesthesia with Evan that morning and Dr. Hubbard came in and he looked uh, shocked. shocked. He did. Uh, he looked at us and said the tumor had actually gotten smaller, not larger, uh, and Evan was doing great. And um, That's con it continued. The whole, the whole next year, things that were supposed to happen to Evan didn't happen. Um, he never got sick from the chemo. Uh, the tumor continued to shrink until it was ultimately gone. Um, and with just scar tissue, he did not lose his eye. He's gonna be able to see out of it. He's gonna have vision and be able to drive and play and just be completely normal. All things that should never have happened. Um, but through God, they did, through prayer, which was the only thing that Jeff and I could do or anybody could do. Because um, as a parent, you can't fix that. You cannot fix cancer. Um, but Evan's fine. We, uh, it's a helpless feeling as a dad to know that all you can do is pray for your son, but it's a very comforting feeling. And that's, that's all you have to do is pray for your son. Uh, in the book of James, it says to, uh, don't ask if you have doubt. And that's something that we, we, we held to. We, we prayed that prayer and for God's will to be done, whatever it was, mm -hmm. it, uh, for him to get the glory. And six months of chemotherapy, uh, Last October was his last round, and he went into the last round uh, with doctors saying he was tumor-free. Um, he had his last laser therapy on in January of this year, mm -hmm. um, and we have seen no growth for the entire time uh, since January, so he's had nothing but exams, no, no medical treatment. Through everything we've been through this past uh, almost year and a half, and it's just it's blown our minds, uh, my son is healthy. Um, he uh, he has his eye, he's got some vision, we're not sure what he has, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he's healthy, he's with us, uh, he's, he's a ball of energy, he keeps us on our toes, he wrestles, he aggravates his sister. He hides his glasses. He hides his glasses. <laughs> um, but it just just looking back on everything, it's just it's the hand of God and it's a complete miracle. And we're just so thankful and so grateful. I just think that's an awesome picture of what it looks like to go through a major, 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 major storm and then to see God do a miracle. That is, um, it's truly awesome. And uh, we love the Bigbies and we're excited about that. But so this is the question that I have for all of you today is um, what's, what's the storm maybe that you're going through this morning? Um, because all of us are at a different place. And I'm just telling you, if you're not in a storm right now, uh, you're, heading, you're heading for a storm. If you're a follower of Jesus especially, you're heading for a storm. And so 
like last week's message is so much fun to preach because it's it's a win, right? I mean, it's 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 Jesus taking this bread and taking this fish and he feeds 12,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children, and it's like it's a win and everybody's excited. And that's the way that it is when we worship in here. Is is it's like for lack of better terms, it's like the circus. We, we are so happy when we leave because we're raising our hands and we're worshiping the Savior. But listen, we have to go out there. And at some point in time, you will face the storm. And, and this is when you are revealed where you follow Christ and the, the facts of everything that is about you and your relationship with Jesus, it is revealed. And that's why I think Jesus did it in this situation is because his disciples were like, dude, this cat is crazy. Like, we already knew he was God, and we, we chose to follow him. But, like, just earlier in this day, he had just made this bread and fish feed all these people. And, and now he sends us in this boat to go out across a sea that's really a big lake. Why did he do that? Like, the first question I would have had is, you want us to go, but you ain't coming? You just did this. I, I don't want you to ever leave me. Isn't that the way that we feel? And if Jesus was just beside me all the time, I would be fine. Why does he ever leave me by myself? What is he trying to do? And I would have said, come on, man. You don't have to be by yourself. You can pray. We'll, put you, we'll get you a little corner in the boat. I know the boat's not big, but we'll get you a corner. You can be by yourself, but I don't want you to leave. And so they went off. And I, I can just picture myself being there with them. And when they had gone three or four miles out and the storm gets real bad, you're thinking, seriously, God? Like, you just did this miracle and these great things happened and now you're going to put me in a storm. That's not funny. Like, I'm mad at you. Why would you let this happen? And so for everybody in here, whether you're in a storm today or a storm's coming, my prayer today, as we're about to read John chapter 6, is that you'll just, you'll just let God be God in your life. Will you pray with me? God, in the next couple minutes as we look at your word and the storms of our lives, God, I believe there's people in this room that need to trust you as Savior, and there's people in this room that need to make this carpet right in front of me their altar, and they lay it down because they're in such a deep battle, whether it's something in their family, in their marriage, with their children, personal lives or not personal lives, whether it's something like cancer or something totally different. God, we need you to help us through this storm. God, just teach us this morning. I'm, I'm so excited about what you've already done and what I believe you're going to do. So just use this in your son's awesome name. Amen. So I, I want to just give you two things, two, two things that I believe Jesus wants us to know about storms, specifically in, in this setting, coming right off this miracle. Two things that I believe Jesus wants us to know about storms. The first one is Jesus puts us in storms, puts us right in the middle of it, but it's not always our fault. Jesus puts us in storms, like he did with those guys, like he did with the disciples. He says, get in the boat, go to Capernaum. I want you to go. It's not always your fault. Listen to what John says, starting in verse 16 of John chapter 6. He says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got in a boat and started across to the sea of Capernaum. It was dark. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea 
and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Now, first of all, I'm going to show y'all a video in just a second, or Zach is, but I'm going to get y'all to watch this 45-second video of a good picture that I think might have been what it looked like. If any of y'all, your first thought is, if I saw Jesus walking toward me, I wouldn't have been scared. I need y'all to repent right now because y'all are lying. Because if a bad storm was happening and like all hell was breaking loose all around you, you're like, oh, there's some dude walking on the water. It's awesome. Praise God. Let's all raise our hands. To God be the glory. No, you're freaking out. There's a little something running down your leg. Oh, my gosh, what is that? There's a dude, and I'm dying and all this, right? I just want y'all to see. This is what I think it might have looked like. I think they did a good job. Y'all watch this. Now, that, that end part is very nice, but I'm not sure that's exactly how it went with that. You know, it's real calm, and there's a hurricane going on, and they're on a wood boat. It's about the size of this stage, and he's holding on to the rope. He is the Messiah. I'm not sure if it was exactly that Hollywood. It was probably like, get in here. What's wrong with you? Come on, dude. This is, this is crazy. But I would have been the dude. I have a feeling it's like, okay, so water's coming in. I'm on a boat that's seriously about this size. I'm freaking out. And a dude's walking toward me. Now, I don't care if a miracle just happened in my life. I feel like I'm going to die and I see a ghost. And it's not good. That's, that's, nothing's good about this scenario. And, and I'm just telling you, in my life, that is exactly what tends to happen when a storm comes my way. Like, I don't even recognize Jesus. I don't even recognize Jesus when a big storm happens. I recognize all the scenarios around me, that there's waves crashing in the boat, that, that the sail's not even up because it's so bad, that we're rowing but it doesn't matter, that we're in the middle of the sea, that we're going in circles, that it doesn't make sense, that nothing's going on. I don't know what to do, God. What do you want me to do? And I don't even see him anymore because I'm so focused on trying to fix everything, trying to get to the other side, trying to fix this water coming on, trying to do everything that I'm trying to do. God, why don't you watch me? And why did you put me in this storm in the first place? I didn't ask for my family to be sick. I didn't ask for my wife to be mad at me. I didn't ask for my kids to be going crazy. I didn't ask for all these bad circumstances. I didn't ask for my health to fail. Why are you doing this? I want it fixed now. And never in that circumstance, never in that time, do we say, where's Jesus? He's got to be here somewhere. Where is he? I'm the guy that's going, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. And I'm scared to death and I'm mad at God. Because I don't understand what I did wrong, Jesus. Like there's got to be something that I did. And I'm just telling y'all, listen to me. Because I know what some of y'all are going through. I'm just telling y'all that sometimes it's not what you did. It's what Jesus is trying to do in you. It's where he's trying to take you. It's where he's trying to take you.
because for a lot of you, there's a destination that God wants to get you to. But until he puts you through a major crisis or a major storm, you'll never get to it because you're comfortable. You're happy. And so the second thing that I want you to know is it's not your job to reach the destination only to follow. It is not your job to reach the destination only to follow Jesus. It is your job to follow Jesus if you're a follower of Christ. Just follow him. And at that moment, the disciples, they were so concerned. Can you imagine? Can you picture being in that boat with them and the rain hitting your face and the wind 80, 90 miles an hour, trying to hold on, trying to make sure you don't fall in, trying to make sure everybody else doesn't fall in. All hell's breaking loose around you. Life is falling apart. And the only thing I can think is, how can I fix this problem? Like there's got to be something that I can do to make this better. I'm telling you, in my life, nine times out of ten, when a trial comes my way, I act like an idiot. I mean, I'm mean. I try to fix stuff. Instead of just sitting and resting in Christ like he wants me to do, I try to fix it. But there was one time in 2007, I, um, I was coaching basketball at Sparmer Christian Academy and baseball. I was the head baseball coach and um, loved it. We had just come off, by the way, I think it was two weeks before, Brian that was singing right here this morning um, was our point guard. And um, we had just won the state championship. It was amazing. And life was good, I'm just telling you. I, I was almost 27 years old. Um, Lee and I had two dogs, no kids. And sometimes that's good. But anyway, I didn't. y'all don't repeat that, but it's for real. Um, but life was just, I mean, we were happy. We didn't have a lot of bills. We didn't have a lot of stress. We just kind of did our thing. It was good. And so I was, I was a high school Bible teacher. I loved that. I loved teaching the Bible. I loved coaching so much. I was doing exactly what I thought I was supposed to do. I was very happy. And Leah had had a miscarriage um, quite a while before this. We had waited a, another year to try to get pregnant again. We had found out we were pregnant the last week of March. We were really excited. Really, really pumped. And um, on Tuesday, I, had to, I shared devotions with the whole staff, with our whole staff at Spartanburg Christian Academy. I shared uh, devotions to um, the teachers, and I was going through, and, and it was eight weeks that she was pregnant, so I was like, I'm going to tell them that we're pregnant. I got Leah's permission. She said, I think that's amazing, you know, because women are excited. Praise God for y'all, but I wasn't that excited. I didn't come in with, like, pink and blue balloons and say, I don't know which one yet, but I'll show you when I find out. But, you know. Y'all might have done that, but that's okay. I love y'all. But I was excited. I was genuinely trying to get myself excited because I had been through the miscarriage already, and so I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to get excited yet. Maybe I should wait a while. And I had let myself get excited, and it was an awesome day at school. I went to practice, and Leah texted me at practice, hey, I'm heading to the OB doctor. Can you meet me? I'm bleeding. I remember having a sinking feeling. My best friend that was the assist, or he was the pitching coach, he said, dude, go, I'll take over. And so I went, and Leah had her second miscarriage. It was terrible. I mean, it was, because I, I, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm, I'm an alpha male, just like dirt and sports, right? I just want to shoot things and shoot things. I don't want to do fruity stuff and go to artsy stuff. I, I don't know how to help when she's hurting. In that scenario, I definitely didn't. And so I just hugged her and cried, and I got mad. 
I didn't really get mad at God. I don't remember getting like really bitter. I just got mad. I was just like, why? I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm happy. Life's easy. And so that was difficult, but I knew life was going to go on, and we started making plans to do something else and not get pregnant again for a while. And um, so the end of that week was spring break. We had a game that night um, of spring break, and, and um, I remember after the game, my dad called me, who was the administrator of our Christian school, and uh, he, he, was, he, he was my hero. He called me and said, hey, can you come to the house real quick and bring Leah? And the girls are coming to my sisters. I got to talk to y'all. I was like, yeah, sure. So I, I go to the house, and, and we come in, and it was like um, a morgue. I walked in, and I was like, what the crap's going on? This is crazy. And my mom was kind of standing in the corner. Dad was pacing outside. My sisters were sitting down crying. I was like, do y'all know something I don't? And they were like, it's got to be something bad. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Dad walks in, stands in the threshold of the house, and says, I want y'all to know that I failed morally. I've cheated on your mother, and she's leaving. And I just remember the, the feeling of, is this real? Like, like my family's perfect. Like, they called us, I'm not joking, they called us the Von Pangles, if y'all know the sound of music. We sang a quintet, and like, we were perfect. We were perfect. There was no way. If anything was going to happen to anybody, it wasn't the Pangles. We were perfect. And at, at a moment, my life went from Tuesday morning, I'm telling the teachers, man, it's awesome. Life is so good. Praise God. To where do I go from here? I, I, I literally don't know what to do. Can I just say before I finish this story that I'm so grateful that God forgives and changes people. And my dad is leading one of our small groups. He was here this morning. I am so, I'm so proud of my dad for getting right and changing and letting the Lord change him. And it's awesome. And I believe my family is stronger because of what happened. But, but this is why I told you the story. At that moment that it happened, there was literally nothing I could do to make it better. I, I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go in and say, Mom, Dad, sit down. We're just going to forget all this happened. Leah, you're just going to get pregnant again. Everything's going to be fine. There was nothing I could do. I, I had the most helpless feeling I've ever had because I want to fix problems, and I couldn't fix any of those. And I'll never forget Saturday morning, my, my two very close friends, they took me to play golf, and I just got in Scripture, and I just cried and the Lord showed me some scriptures, and it just, it just helped me so much. And listen right now. This is why I said this. There is no doubt in my mind that were it not for the worst storm maybe that I've ever been through, I would not be standing here right now exactly doing what I believe God wants me to do. I would not have gotten to the destination at this point in my life where God wants me, and that is to be a pastor, that is to be the pastor of this church. That is to be in this spot. I, I promise you, I would still be teaching. I would still be coaching. I would be enjoying it. But it would be my destination and not the destination that God wanted me to be at. Sometimes God puts us in the worst storms. It seemed like, God, there's no way you're in this. There's no way you're in divorce. There's no, there's no way you're in a miscarriage. There's no way you're in cancer. 
There's no way you're in all these things. There's no way you're in my kids losing their minds. There's no way you're in these awful things. And guess what? He was. God was in the middle of all of it. Our family is so much stronger. My family is so much better. My marriage is so much better as a result. God has done so much maturing in me and changing me. I still got a ton of ways to go. Believe me. But I am the man that I am today as a result of the storm that God put me through. And I am grateful for the storm that God put me through. If I could have changed it, and probably if I could today, I would have. But I am grateful and I embrace the fact that God wanted me to do that. Now listen, here's the deal. At some point in time, I had to look myself in the face, me in the mirror, and say, it's either you are in control or God is in control, but you can't fix this one, buddy. You can't fix this one, dude. And at some point in time, all of us have to get to the point, whether we've raised our hand in church and said, Mark, I want to follow Jesus. And in those awesome times, whether we've said, listen, that's what I want with my life. I want to be a follower of Christ. Listen, when you're in that storm, the world knows where you are. Listen to what John 6 says in verse 20. It says, but he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Can you imagine the seas coming in? You're going nuts. You see a ghost. You, you are so scared but you still remember the voice of Jesus. And he says, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him in the boat. And immediately, one of my favorite parts of the scripture, immediately, immediately, the boat was at the land which they were going. The destination was in front of them. And when they invited Jesus to be a part of their storm, they reached their destination. They reached it. They were there. Listen, there are so many different circumstances in this room from Brian to Chase and everybody in between. There are so many different circumstances that are going on in this room right now. So many different circumstances. So many different storms. And in every circumstance that's different, the outcome can remain the same. It's not always fun. Listen, sometimes it's death. Sometimes it's death. People are going to attack you. Satan hates your guts if you're a follower of Jesus. And sometimes it doesn't end well. But listen, it can always end the same if we follow Christ, and that is peace, that is comfort, that is me getting out of my own way and saying, God, I need you more than I need anything else in this world. But so often we kick and we fight against and we say, I've got to control this thing. I've got to be in charge. I've got to fix all these problems. And when the fruit of you comes out, it is revealed that the truth is, I don't have Jesus at all. I have this imaginary thing that I came in and I raised my hands and it felt really good, but the truth is I don't have any fruit in my life. And when the worst circumstances come, I'm miserable. I'm empty. I'm lonely. I feel like I'm trapped with no way out. Listen, of all the people in the Bible that we study, Paul probably is my favorite because that cat went through some awful stuff. Awful stuff. He was beaten to death, stoned to death, only to be seriously risen from the dead. Shipwrecked. He took the cat of nine tails 39 times, multiple times. 
and the whole time counted it joy. And I don't think he was singing praise hymns that entire time. I don't think he was happy that entire time, but I think he had peace that whole time because why? He knew who he was following and why he was doing it. And he was in love with Jesus and the fact that he could tell everyone the truth of the gospel. And this is what he told the people of Rome as he was writing the church in chapter 8. He's gone through, he said, man, we're going through these difficult times. We've been through all this stuff, but check this out. In chapter 8, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Should it be cancer? Should it be, should it be kids having so many problems? Should it, be, should it be your family situations? Should it be death? Who who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Maybe my favorite, it's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. If you've got your Bible or your iPad like me, highlight it, circle it, star it, go back to it. No, in all these things, in every storm in life, we are more than conquerors through Jesus, through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing, 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 nothing can take that away from me. No, but, but here's the deal. Only to those who have truly followed Christ. If you are not changed from the moment that you walked in here or wherever and you said yes to Jesus, then maybe you never said yes to Jesus because it will be revealed in your storms. And let me promise you something. It's coming. It's coming. Like you can see it over the horizon. A small cloud is coming and it's building up and a hurricane for some of you is on the way. In the next months, the most difficult days of some of our lives are coming our way. But guess what? We can have peace and understand that I don't have to find my way out of this one. I just simply need to rest in Jesus and let him reach the destination for me. I've got to have him at the center of my life in the worst of circumstances and in the best. When things are awesome and he's doing miracles around me, I can't take credit for it. I've got to rest in him. And so in your life, this is what I want you to answer right now. This is what I want, want, want you to answer. Two things. Are you going through difficult times? Are you in a storm? And for everybody that is, and even those of you that aren't, are you sure that Jesus is the Lord of your life? That you've trusted him? You've, you've acknowledged that he died on the cross for your sins. He gave everything for you. Have you said yes to him and said, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior and be my Lord? Will you bow your heads with me? As we close the service, man, I just feel like, well, gosh, this morning's um, first service at 9.15, over half the people said, Mark, and I'm in, a, I'm in a whirlwind of a storm. I'm in a true hurricane. Dude, I'm struggling. This is just, this is just are you in a storm? And I just want to, just Mark, pray for me, man. I'm in a storm. Just raise your hand right now. And I'm struggling. I'm in a storm. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands have gone up. Thank you. I'm in, a, I'm in a serious storm, Mark, and I'm struggling. So for everybody in here, 
Can I just tell you that pride, <laughs> pride is what I believe keeps people from um, getting help in the storm more than anything else because we want to get to the end because we're not really, we're not really right with Jesus. How many of y'all would say, Mark, I am absolutely certain, no doubt in my mind, that in the middle of the great times, in the middle of the storm, no matter where I am, I know that I have Jesus with me because I've trusted him as Savior and Lord. Just raise your hand as high as you can right now. I am certain that Jesus is my Savior. Keep him up. Raise him high. I'm certain. I'm certain. I'm certain. Thank you. Put him down. Anybody in here that didn't raise their hand, this is the opportunity I want to give you. In the first service, two people stood up and said, Mark, I want Jesus right now. So for, for you guys that didn't, there were only a couple. I'm inviting you to have a peace like you can never have again, but you will always have for the rest of your life. This is the only way to truly have tranquility in the worst times. I'm just inviting you right now if that's you. And if this is you and you're in the middle of the storm, I won't have to beg you. You'll just get up. If you need Jesus to do a work in your life because you've never given him everything, I just want you to stand up right where you are. Right where you are, say, Mark, that's me right now. I want to be saved. Right where you are. Right where you are. How about for everybody in the room? Over half of you raised your hand and said, man, I'm in the middle of a storm. This morning we just decided to make this carpet right here before our last song, we decided to make it an altar. I mean, if you're really going through a bad time, I'm just going to invite you to just, I mean, your marriage is struggling. You're having trouble with your kids. That's so difficult. You're having health issues, whatever it is. Just from this part to this part, I'm just going to invite you to stand up and walk down here. Don't be embarrassed. We're all in it together. Just right now, stand up, walk down right here and say, I'm going to make this my altar. I'm going to make this my altar right now. Does anyone... Is anyone going through such a difficult storm? They say, that's what I need. That's what I need. God, as we face these storms together, God, it is so difficult not to give up, not to question, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? God, thank you for the storms. Some, we do not understand. Sometimes we feel like giving up. But thank you for taking us to a place that's different where you want us to go. We are so excited about what you're doing in our church. And for the people that are hurting in this room, I pray that you'll bless them and help them look for you instead of look for the destination. I pray for healing and miracles like only you can do. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, before before the band comes to close, um, there are a lot of people going through difficult times, and um, we put up we have sign ups today that start um, in a couple weeks for um, or some next week for um, our small groups. And listen, you cannot, cannot, cannot even if you're a believer and you're right in the middle of God's will. It is so difficult to do life by yourself. And so the reason that we have small groups is not just so you know the Bible better, but so that you can do life together with other people that believe like you do. And so what we want you to do is you're leaving. We want you to, to stop by the, the desk at the front, and we want you to sign up for small groups. And if it's crowded at the front, you can go 
you can go to fourpoints.org backslash small groups and sign up online and there's the choices are right there at the front and we would love for y'all to sign up we got a bunch of people that already signed up we want we want everybody to be involved because we want the community to happen so that listen the reason that we do church is to reach the least the lost and the lonely with the gospel of jesus every week that's why we do church we want this community to feel what we have inside of us and to change because of the power of jesus every man woman and child in all nations all nationalities, everybody, we want them to feel Jesus and know the truth of the gospel. And so that's why we do it. So y'all sign up for that. I love you. Let's worship together. Be the church.